Hello, friends, and welcome to Everyday Truth with Kurt Skelly. We're here to show that the Bible is relevant to your life every single day, and we're glad you joined us here for the conversation. We're exploring the book of 1 John and learning how to walk in light, walk in love. Now let's join Kurt for today's episode. And welcome back, friends, to today's episode of Everyday Truth. Uh, so grateful for each one of you and, and thankful that you uh, take this time out of your day to watch or to listen. Uh, we're in First John, as you know, and we're in a section of Scripture that is so rich, uh, especially as it relates to God's love for us. And I, I love, you know, the, the verse and chapter divisions were not inspired. We know that. And, and sometimes, actually, I think it's unwise for us to stop at the end of a chapter because the thought continues on. But there are certain things that I really love about a chapter and verse divisions. And one of them is 1 John 3.16. Because when you think about John 3.16, you think about one of the most famous verses in all the Bible. Well, 1 John 3.16, ironically, is really the same teaching. So so look at it, 1 John 3.16, where the Bible says, Hereby perceive we the love of God, because he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. So obviously, John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And then here, hereby perceive we the love of God. How, how, do, we, how do we perceive that anybody loves us? How do we perceive love, period? And the Bible gives us a great answer here, John. Yeah, it sure does, Pastor. You know, people sometimes think that love is just a feeling and, you know, it's that emotion I have inside, which I understand what people mean by that. But the Bible teaches over and over again that love is an action, that love is a verb, something that God did for us, as we see in John 3.16. And as you mentioned here in 1 John 3.16, you know, God loved us so much, he, He gave His Son. Jesus Christ came for us. My mind goes to what Jesus tells the disciples, you know, that greater love hath no man than this that a man lay down his life for his friends. Hmm. And here we find Jesus Christ doing that for us. That truly is an awesome thought. So, you know, love that is not active is not love at all. Uh, I think about 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, where the Apostle Paul was applauding the Thessalonian believers for their love for each other. And he said that indeed, this is 1 Thessalonians chapter four, somewhere around verse, I don't know, nine or 10, somewhere in there. But, uh, and, and indeed ye do it toward all the brethren that are in all Macedonia. Do what? You love each other. So love is something we do. Uh, the Bible says in Ephesians five and verse two, walk in love as Christ also hath loved us and hath given himself for us. So love is something that we walk in. It's something we do. And it's something that expresses itself in sacrifice. For God so loved the world that he gave. Husbands, love your wives as Christ also loved the church and gave, and gave himself for it. So the best way by which love can be perceived is in the sacrifice of love. And that's what it's saying here in 1 John 3, 16. Hereby perceive we the love of God. But then, John, this is so captivating to me because then it says, because he laid down his life for us. 
So we perceive the love of God, and God gets the antecedent. God laid down his life for us. Well, there's just no way around that. Jesus is God. It sure is, Pastor. And you know, when I think about what you say right here, my mind goes to Acts chapter 20, where Paul's talking to the Ephesian elders and talks about how God shed his blood for them. And so you're right. You know, people sometimes say that nowhere in the Bible does the Bible claim that Jesus is God, that, that nothing can be further from the truth. We find it time and time again, sometimes very forthright. Uh, and sometimes like we have here, just a, just a very bold statement that God gave his life for us. This is the assumption. That this that God God laid down His life for us. Then the Bible says, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. So the the, the key to verse sixteen, as we take it into context from last last episode, Cain and Abel, the motivation of love. When we take it in context, what the Bible's teaching is that believers, those of us that ourselves have been captivated by the love of God, indwelt by the spirit of love, the, the fruit of the spirit is love, then we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. In other words, our lives ought to be an active expression of our love for, for other people. You know, as I think about John 3.16 and 1 John 3.16, this comparison we have today, I think of John 3.16, you know, what we can have because Jesus Christ died for us. We can have eternal life. And I think of 1 John 3, 16, you know what we ought to do because we have eternal life. Because we have experienced the love of God, there's something, there is an ought that ought to be true in our life, and that is we, we ought to love one another. Uh, you know, Christianity just ought to be part and parcel of loving each other. And that's what God expects us to do, even to the point, if necessary, of laying down our lives for each other. The Bible gives us a high call of love that we find as His children. Yeah, and back to your point from before, John, that, that love is, is active. I, I think too often we, we, we're waiting for a certain feeling. Like, I, I want to feel as if I love this person. I want to feel warm and fuzzy about this person. And then I will. And that's never the Bible order. The Bible order is treat people the way the Bible says to treat them. That's what love is. Treat people the way the Bible says to treat them. And as we are expressing that love volitionally, that's just a fancy word that means from our will, that when we are doing what's right, regardless of how we feel, the, the interesting thing is then the feelings come. So feelings are procrastinators in your life. Uh, feelings oftentimes are the caboose on that train. We just need to get in the right direction, do the right things, obey what the Lord says, and let those feelings come when they will. And I think that's a much better uh, order in which to consider how love operates in our lives. That is a great truth, Pastor, that you just talked about, how that we, we, ought, to, we ought to do what God tells us to do. And, you know, not just live by how we feel about things. And as I look at what John says here about how that we ought to lead in our lives for, for each other, you know, I highly doubt, Pastor, if I'm going to have to die for you or die for anybody, frankly. I mean, I, that may happen in my life. Uh, I don't know that it will happen. But God has challenged me many times throughout my life with this verse to say, hey, John. If you truly love people like God commands you to, if you're willing to lay down your life for them, then what else would you be willing to do for them? Matter of fact, the, the, the point is extenuated here. So important is this point about loving 
our brother and allowing the love of God to be an operative principle in our life, that verse 17 says, but, so we ought, verse 16, but, so if we don't, but whoso hath this world's good and seeth his brother have need and shutteth up his bowels of compassion. So that's just an old English way of saying, but if you see somebody that has a legitimate need and you can meet it and you ignore it, you say, I'm not going to have compassion. I'm not going to express any, I'm not going to do anything to ameliorate the situation. Look at it. Verse number 17 and shutteth up his bowels of compassion from him. How dwelleth the love of God in him? So God's love is expressed in the way that we view and then what we do for other people, the way we view. So there's a motivation to love. We're going to see people differently. We're going to be motivated differently, but then we're going to act upon it. It, it reminds me, John, a lot. First John three seventeen reminds me a lot of James two fourteen through seventeen. Yeah, it sure does. You know where we ought to have a, a faith that works. And James in that passage in James two reminds us: you know, if we if we love our neighbor properly, then we're we're fulfilling the royal law. We're doing what God's called us to do. And if we have the kind of faith that we ought to have then we're going to have a faith that will act, will operate, and people will be able to see by what we do, how we love, how we live, that we truly are the children of God. Yeah, that's a great connection, John. And I didn't make that immediate connection that in James 2, the faith without works passage is all in the context of fulfilling the royal law, according to the scripture, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. So it is by faith that we serve people to fulfill the commandment to love others the way the Bible tells us to love them. And, you know, I, I love to explain this because it's, it's such a, uh, an astounding truth. And that is, you know, somebody came to Jesus one day and said to Jesus, Jesus, what, what's the greatest commandment in the law? They were really wanting to trip him up. And Jesus answered the question by saying, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, soul, mind, and strength. And I don't know that there's anybody that would disagree that the greatest thing we can do is love God with everything we are. But Jesus then was quick to point out number two. And he said, and the second is like unto it, love thy neighbor as thyself. On these two hang all the law and the prophets. Now, here's the part that's really interesting. And I want you to follow me. In Galatians 5, in Romans 13, and in James 2, so in these three epistles, Galatians uh, 5, Romans, and then James, in these three epistles, the writers, Paul twice and James once, said that the entire law is fulfilled when we love our neighbor as ourselves. Now, wait a minute. Jesus said the law is fulfilled when we love God and love our neighbor as ourselves. Number one, love God. Number two, love your neighbor as yourself. But James and then Paul both said, no, the law is fulfilled when you love your neighbor as yourself. And it almost seems as if they missed it, like they missed number one. How, how can you say that? How could, how could Jesus say, number one is love God, number two is love your neighbor, but James and Paul both said, no, love your neighbor, you've done it all. How, how, did, how does that jive? And I think the answer is found in Luke chapter 10, 
where a lawyer came to Jesus and said, you know, what, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said, well, what, what do you think? You know, what, what, what do you think is the requirement? He said, well, I think you ought to love God, love your neighbor. So, so he gave the same answer Jesus did. And Jesus said, okay, well, if you can do that, then you'll live. In other words, if you could perfectly fulfill the law by loving God and loving your neighbor, you basically would have worked your way to heaven. Obviously, no one could do that. (laughs) What Jesus was pointing out was man's inability to do that. And to highlight that this man had fallen so woefully short of that, he gave him the parable of the Good Samaritan. And said, okay, who is neighbor to this man? And the man reluctantly said, well, I suppose him that showed mercy. In other words, yeah, how are you doing loving God, loving your neighbor? You're not fulfilling it. The point is this, my friends. You love God by loving your neighbor. God has given us the means by which to love him. Okay, Jesus said it this way. One day, people will say to the Lord, Jesus will say to some people, he'll say, uh, thank you for visiting me in prison. Uh, thank you for clothing me. Thank you for feeding me. Thank you for giving me water. And those people will say to Jesus, but what, when did we see you thirsty? And when did we see you naked or, or uh, hungry? What, when did we visit you? And Jesus will say this, in as much as ye as have done it unto the least of these, my brethren, you've done it unto me. What is Jesus teaching? He's teaching that we love God directly by loving the people he's put in our path. So we love God by loving people. And when the Bible teaches in 1 John chapter 3 and verse 16 that God loved us and we ought to love our brethren, but when we have the opportunity and don't love our brethren, then really the love of God is not in us. The love, we, we've not been, we've not experienced the love of God, and we're certainly not expressing love to God when we're not loving the people that God has put in our path. This is quite a, quite a solemn statement, that, <clears throat> pardon me, quite a solemn statement that John is making here to think that if we are not loving people around us, we have the means to help people out, and we just don't do it, that God's love is not the operative principle in, my, in our lives. That we are not, you know, ruled by God's love. Uh, God's love is not having the effect on our life that it ought to have on our life. I mean, just think of how much the fact when I understand God's love for me, how much that should overwhelm me. So I am more than I'm more than happy to help people around me. Uh, I know when Jesus is teaching about uh, the man who forgave his servant just an untold amount of money. I know it's not focused upon love in that passage right there, more upon mercy. But I, I think this uh, same idea of God. God loves me so much and people around me, if I can't help them out with the small amount that I have, you know, forgive them when they wrong me or help them if they have a need. If I can't do that, I truly have not grasped how great God's love is for me. There's so much, there is so much we could say about this and we're not done. Uh, This passage goes on to elaborate on this very principle. We won't take time today because we're already out of time, but let's, let's meditate upon this. We love God by loving people. God is giving us the opportunity to love him qualitatively the same way he loves us. You can't love God when God is unlovely because God's not unlovely. You can't love God before he loves you. He already beat you to it. He loved us first, but you can love people in your life that are unlovely. And you can love people in your life before they ever express love to you. You can love them. And in so doing, you're loving God. 
So in that sense, you are loving God qualitatively the same way that God loves you. What a gift. What an opportunity. So we'll, we'll stop there for today, and then we're going to jump back into verse 18 tomorrow. Hope you'll join us. God bless you, my friends. Thanks for taking time to listen. If Everyday Truth matters to you, go ahead and subscribe to the podcast or share it with a friend. Until next time, God bless.